Welcome to Marshall Mindset, where we delve into some of the leading minds in business, martial arts, and academia to find out what truly makes success in any field of life. We are the fight coaches who will motivate and inspire you to level up your game, no matter how big or scary your goals may be. Pogdan, uh, did you want to start with questions to kick it off? On, yeah, I, wa- I want to know how it was when you first met Master Ken. <laughs> Man, okay, so Master Ken is the first time I met him, um, he was, he was, he was Master Ken. So he's a method actor. So when he's there, like you're meeting Master Ken. Yeah, yeah. So at the beginning I met him and I was trying to be cool and funny with him, but he was very like, like you see the character, he was on character and I was like, does this guy like me? I fucking flew all the way here to make videos with him. And I was like, yeah, at one point I'm like, I, like I, I thought he didn't like me or whatever. And, and then, and then like, but, and then we did, we did the videos and everything. And he's, he's, he's a genius. He's very brilliant. He's fucking, he writes his scripts, he produces them, he acts in them. And then I remember we, we did the whole skit and whatever. And then he goes in the bathroom, he takes off the mustache, he comes back out. And then I meet Matt. It's real, so it's not real. <laughs> oh, that, no, I, well, it used to be real at one point. That was it. And then, it's when, like, and then when he came like out. comes here. Eh? Ken's, Master Ken's mustache is like Donald Trump's hair. And it's then when he came out, he was a complete different guy. And I was like, oh shit. And we started talking and chilling. And I was like, okay. And then he's like, oh yeah, I'm a method actor. Like, I mean, and he's really into characters. So, uh, but he's an awesome guy. I had so much fun. And, you know, he's, he's very creative and he's awesome at what he does, you know? So, does he actually have curiosity? Does he have any martial arts training? Yeah, background? does. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, he trains in Brazilian jiu-jitsu mostly. He was actually talking about it. It's funny because uh, he, he talks about, you know, strikes mostly when yeah. he's the master kin. But Matt actually says he's really clumsy when it comes to striking, but he's more into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He feels more at home with it, right? Well, I, I didn't get to, like, train with him, like, other than, than the skits that we did. But I can tell, like, he's physically fit. He's strong. And I could tell he has, like, a really solid base of martial arts, which actually makes it even better when he does his skits, I think. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. He is brilliant. He, he reminds me a bit of Master Wong though, but you know, uh, Michael Wong's the same off camera than he is on camera. He's just like a, like a, an electric bullet, you know, he's just constantly yeah. going, going, going. The guy's just full of energy. So yeah, so it just sort of struck a chord when you were saying that Master Ken's like that. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing something wrong, Nick. I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, on a more serious note, I was more into. I, I wanted to ask you, Nick, uh, how did you like? What's if you could tell us a bit more about your martial arts background and what inspired you to start doing um, YouTube videos? And uh, you know, how how do you come up with your content and what? How did you decide to also talk about the motivational stuff and the, the personal development? It's so interesting because when I started the channel, like I think it was like eight years ago or whatever, I, I really knew nothing about YouTube. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to film myself and put it up. I didn't know anything about tags, keywords, nothing. I just made videos and I put them up. And um, as I was putting them up, I was seeing more and more interest. Like people were asking me questions like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I started taking it more serious. And 
as I went, I'm like, wow. And then I started making money. So I'm like, fuck, I can make money off this shit too. That helps, doesn't it? It's never been my motivation and it's still not why I do them because you know, like they've demonetized half my videos. They're shadow banning me. Like, I mean, YouTube is just fucking me left, right, and center. And it's like I sometimes I'm like, your views have dropped quite a bit, actually. Oh, yeah. I, I like they're basically shadow banning me and they don't suggest me. I've had people being unsubscribed. I've had people tell me I'm subscribed. I have notification. I don't get your videos. I have no clue what's happening. I've tried calling them. They don't really like fucking care. You know what? Does this, does this happen to you as well, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I've noticed a drop in my views, and actually, I'm, I'm also noticing a lot of my videos being put under uh, age restriction, which basically yeah. cuts the views straight away, basically. And it's all the ones with where we're using real analysis, so we'll talk about a fight similar to what you've been doing, or I will be teaching, and I'll have the B-roll of a real fight and explain really what you should be doing. Straight away, it's gone to 18, and, you know, it drops off. People just can't, can't see it. Unless you go to my channel and you look through the play playlists, you won't yeah. find those videos anymore. So it's a shame. I had one that was about uh, reading cues for sucker punches and we were using real fights and explaining how it actually occurs and what you should be looking at. And uh, again, 18, read, went on an 18 and, and that's it, dropped off, you know. So uh, yeah, it's happening a lot. Yeah. Well, it's because right now they're, 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 they want to restrict the restrictions, the bans, all that shit. And if you, if you put fight, knife, street fight i mean even even like on my show have the balls to talk about it like the men's talk show yeah the balls i can't use it uh, it's yeah. it's they're, they're you know i did one on like uh, uh on like premature ejaculation you know what i mean that we did one of that for the and i couldn't even use that they banned it <laughs> it's like fuck it's like you can't you can't and then you have idiots doing pranks and stupid shit and they're getting views because unfortunately we you know, people like seeing stupid stuff, you know, so. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, YouTube's going to go with a funny, it's a funny platform. It's really changing now. I think there's, they're trying to go mainstream, aren't they? And it's hitting televisions. When you buy televisions now, you've got a YouTube app on it. So I think they're just trying to clean up and maybe push, push some of the old content uh, providers out. But, you know, all we can do is keep doing, keep going and doing what we're doing, I suppose, and be good at it, really. Yeah, absolutely. I like people ask me it stayed the course thank god we didn't start this for money because if we did we would have quit we started because we want to help people and we love what we do so when you have that as a motivation you keep moving forward no matter what so yeah i used to make a really good salary now i make enough that it's not even worth it for me to do it but i still love doing it and i will continue to do it hopefully maybe one day it's going to pick up yeah well, and if not at least i know i'm helping people you know so and you get to hang out with cool dudes like us Camera. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Three different countries all at the same time. It's even better. So, I mean, I'm really big on, you know, psychology and motivation. And, and when it comes to talking about uh, training and training for fights and, you know, the whole sort of thing, what's your, uh, I mean, if you had a young guy and you wanted to uh, prep him for the real world in terms of confrontation and dealing with it, what would be your advice for him to get him, get him thinking? Wow. Well, it really depends on where he's at at that moment. Is his mindset broken or is his physical broken? Like, where is he at? Because I've, I've trained hundreds of, 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 of guys who've had a good 
a good mindset, but they thought like, yeah, you know, I know how to fight. I could just, you know, I don't need to train. I don't need to do all this. I could just kick ass because they, you know, gone to the fight once. And then you met people who had the physical strength, the ability, the will, but not the mindset. So it really depends on who I'm training first. And then I'm going to look at what am I going to tap in? Am I going to tap in his mindset to get to his body or his body to get to his mindset? And that's that. a good one, actually. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, a, good that's a great question. Yeah, that you is know, a good... To build a confidence that the person's going to need. And again, you know, once you build the proper mindset, then you're able to, you know, you, that's the engine. You know what I mean? Then everything else could deliver. But if the engine's not there and, and you just freeze and panic, even if you do, because it's happened to me, and you shake it off in a second because you know you're going to get punched in the face or the guy's going to pull out a knife, then you got to like shake it off and be like, fuck, like boom. Like if, if it happens, you catch yourself, you shake it off and you fight because that's, you know, it happens too fast for you to have a two to three second delay of going, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't you think though that, I mean, I get this experience where people come to us and they've got the film effect, you know, they watch so many movies and they think, oh, I'm going to train and I'm never going to get hit. And they don't really understand real violence. Oh. And, you know, the effect of real violence, you know, the angry guy who's going to be standing in front of your face, screaming and shouting, and then basically goes for you. And they, you know, they've got this sort of preconceived idea that it's going to be really nice and never, no one's ever going to hit them in a real fight. You know, they hit them. And this is yeah. the thing. <laughs> you know, you get I, I, I was teaching. When I was teaching, I was working in the clubs. And I remember I taught the sucker punch like a hundred times. I always say this story. I'm outside the club. There are about six, seven guys. We kick them out. Bam, bam. They're rough. They're about to fight. One guy sucker punched me. I didn't see shit. Now, I taught that sucker punch a hundred times. You got to get sucker punched. Why? Because that's the real fucking world. Yeah, shit absolutely. happens. As much as you train, I go, anybody could knock out anybody in any day. That's it. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, one of the things I always try to get across is exactly that, you know, bad guys are, are, are really predators. And what they do is they pick, on, they pick on you when you're vulnerable and weak. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to come at you when you're, you know, fit, ready to fight and got that mindset. So, they, you know, you're looking away, you're looking down, you're weak, you're having a bad day. That's the time someone's going to, you know, they're going to jump you. And that's, that's exactly it, isn't it? That's what people don't, they don't realize. Sorry, Bogdan, I jumped in, didn't I? You were going to say something. That's fine. Um, I just wanted to ask Nick, you know, when did he start getting a better sense of, um, of controlling your emotions in a situation, in a violent situation? Because many people, including myself in the beginning, I used to freeze when uh, it would come to, you know, just having to defend myself. What is, like, if you can share a few insights on how you can manage your emotions in that situation and what was the turning point for you? When you could make it easily, you can switch your emotion easily. Great, great. Like, I mean, I always teach through experience. And I remember when I started working as a doorman in one of the clubs, uh, the first one, and there was a fight, like a big fight. We're not talking about like, you know, kicking out a teenage kid there. It was a little bit drunk or whatever. It was like, a, you know, seven, eight or 10. I can't remember on, we were like about three. It was a real, real fucking brawl. And I fucking, I was panicking, I was screaming, I was wailing, I was shouting because I was fucking afraid with no control whatsoever. Because it was a lot more overwhelming that I, I just didn't, like I, I, I'd never lived something that intense. And 
the more I experienced an adrenaline dump, the more I experienced, uh, you know, the fear or, or, or everything that you would get prior to a fight, the more comfortable I got. I learned how to talk to myself. I learned to stay focused in the moment, how to breathe. Like, it's not the time to question, am I good? Can I fight? Am I shit? Am I going to get my ass kicked? The instant you get in your head, you're fucked. Yeah. And uh, as well as a lot of training, a lot of full-out scenario training. I don't mean sparring one-on-one. I mean, you got to make your training as chaotic and as real as possible that, you know, we would be like four or five doormen. We'd get together and do scenarios. And those scenarios were harder than any fucking fight I fought in the street because these guys were like, they were, we were all training because we knew, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we worked. And something might happen this week. I always went to the mindset, this week I might get stabbed. So mm-hmm. I trained that mindset. Tell us a bit about your training methods in that sense. Well, you know, I've, I've covered so much shit throughout my years, right? Like, I mean, I was in Athens, Greece, and I was doing some Krav Maga with, with uh, Vasilis Petridis from Krav Maga Science. And I was like, you know, playing with that. He was teaching me some gun stuff, some knife stuff. And... Um, like throughout my training, like now example, I do a lot of, first I tell people you need to have the physical strength. It's, it's, it's only to your benefit to have the explosive power, the footwork, coordination. You need that. Again, that's the other part of your engine. You could, might believe you can do it, you know, but if you don't, if the wiring and the mechanics are not there, it's not going to happen. Yeah. As well as uh, then you need full out like real type of training, scenario based training, and none of this slow motion, repetitive movement. Uh, you know where you're like, you know, like the drills have to be full out. Even if they're in slow motion, they have to be full out without any sequence to it. That's my take on it. Hmm. So mm-hmm. now that's that's the, again, I, I train. I physically train to be strong, fit, explosive, and then I do as well all like my. You know, I still spar. I still like, you know, I don't enjoy getting hit in the head as much anymore. So I'm kind of like, I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It does. You know, but the thing is, you've got to be fit. I mean, fitness is is, is key to self-defense, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not fit, you can't run away anyway. So, you know, you've got to be fit. But the first thing that goes when you're full of adrenaline and you're in that fight and flight mode is you get an immense drop, a sap in your energy. And that's where fitness comes into it. And it also gives you that ability to take, well, I say take punches, but you can take more punches when you're fitter. You're a bit more resilient to that when you're, when you're not fit. You know, I had an interesting experience, actually. Maybe you guys will, will identify with this. I had a young kid come in and do my, my class the other day. And he's only 15, and, and uh, he didn't even make the warm-up. I mean, the, the, the generation of people's is changing. So 15 years old, when I was 15, I could run for days. and probably hit pads for days. And, do whatever but uh you know he couldn't even do the literally we just did a little bit of agility work a bit of fast feet and a few body weight exercises we hadn't even got to get him onto the focus pads and start hitting the pads and moving around and he was just out of the class you know he's out of the class so uh you know for all of those listening to this podcast you know fitness is key and i'm gonna i'm gonna second that what uh nick said you you know you really have to it's, it is your mental but your mental, your body and your mind works together. And if your body's not fit, your mind's not fit either. It's, it's just not going to work. And, and, and in terms of fitness too, like, like people who are listening, like, I mean, I, I'm, we're not talking about like mirror muscle. We're talking about functional muscle. 
Yeah. Where like, I mean, I compare it to being a Porsche. You know what I mean? Try to, you know, you know when you play video games and you see power, speed, endurance, your goal, I tell people, is to get all the bars as close to maximum. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us a bit more about motivation. How do you, um, you know, what inspired you to start doing these motivational uh, videos? You know what, man? Um, I started like for fun to like just share a little bit about my life and I freaked out how much people enjoyed these videos, right? And mm -hmm. they're just, they're really just about my life. Like, I mean, when, when people meet me and they freak out, like, I mean, I've never finished high school. I was diagnosed with ADHD, dyslexia. I, I, I didn't grow up in a rich neighborhood. I didn't have it easy. I, I had parents that, you know, I'd like to say that they did their best with what they knew. So I, you know, at 16, at 13, I was already working at 16. I was already working a full-time job and I was out of school and working at McDonald's. So it hasn't been an easy road to get to where I am. And most importantly, not, I don't mean success in terms of money. I mean, in terms of happiness, mm. it's only at 40 years old now that I'm finally happy and fulfilled with my life. And I like who I've become. So that for me is the overall goal. So I'm enjoying this fucking, like I'm going to Greece September to teach a seminar and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to Greece. I'm getting paid to do what I love to do. Like, fuck, how lucky am I to do this? You know what I mean? And to be able to give forward to so many people through my experience and what I'm doing. So I look at it and I'm fucking blessed. You know what I mean? I'm every every reason to be grateful. So I share that with people and hope to inspire people to like really, you know, for the people out there who are not happy to take control of their life and create their dream life. So how would you, I mean, what would be your first steps? Cause I, I really like the fact that you said you're happy where you are. And uh, I mean, that really resonates with me. How would you get someone to start on that journey of, of how should I put it? Self-fulfillment, I'd say, basically, I mean, I, t I tell people the first thing you need to do is, is you got to own that you are where you are and you're fully responsible of everything that's happened to your life. Mm. You've attracted it and you're not a, like you are at the moment where you are because of the choices you've made. You have to own all of it. Mm. It's nobody's fault. It's not your mother's. It's not society. It's not your dad. It's not, it's the choices you made and you are who you are. Second, I tell people, you got to be real and authentic to yourself is what do you want from your life? Like, who do you want to become? How do you see the ideal and most like greatest life for yourself? How do you visualize it? What would it look like? Write it on a board. And that's what I did. I only opened my business like seven, eight years ago. I was washing toilets at, the hosp at a hospital. I worked making 30 grand a year. And I had a dream, I had a vision. I built it and now I'm actually living everything that I wanted. Everything actually surpassed my expectations. So now I've set up the bar so high that I have my plan. I'm 41, 41, 42. I've made my plan for 45, all the way till 50. I know exactly what I want, where I want to go and what I want to be, what I want to do. I've detailed it, I've written it down, I visualized it and I'm grateful. That's very important to be grateful of where you are. Even if you're in the shit at this moment, 
say, you know what, I'm in the shits. It's part of the journey. It's part of my experience. Learn from it, get up and keep moving forward. I, I feel like I'm at a Tony Robbins event. Uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> it's all experience. Man. I mean, I look at these guys sometimes, like all these gurus, they're just sharing books they've read and shit they've heard. Like, I mean, this is my fucking life. Like, I mean, I'm not one of these big readers. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Like, Tony Robbins has, has had a huge impact on my life. And I, I'm really enjoying the level of um, transparency that you have, uh, you know, with, with your life and with uh, uh, your experiences, you know. But you know what? People feel that. And the truth is, I don't have, I tell people like my friend George, who's a life coach and everything. And he, tell, he told me, he goes, I have something you don't have. He goes, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to work with the top gurus. I've done all this stuff, but I don't have the experience. You talk from a real place. That's a huge difference. It's one thing to read about it, to study about it, to talk about it. It's another thing to fucking actually live it and go through it. And so I tell people, throw the book in the garbage, go in the world and fuck shit up. doesn't matter. Just learn from it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, those are great words. I'm actually just sitting here enjoying listening to it, <laughs> to be honest with you. That's, that's wise words, that is. I mean, most people, don't, a lot of people just don't learn from their mistakes and, and, you know, they don't learn the lessons from things that can happen. And it takes, I don't know, it does take a little bit of open-mindedness to be able to learn to, to see that so you know, yeah and it, it's not easy especially in the beginning to you know take responsibility just like nick said because you feel it's a lot more comfortable to say yeah but you haven't met my fucking boss yeah you know it's easy for you to say well you don't know what my wife did to me but you know who who chose, who chose, can the, who chose the wife right can i answer that i tell people all right i tell people okay they tell me well you don't understand my parents were not that great. I guess, guess what? Mine either. I didn't grow up in a rich neighborhood. My, my, guess what? I didn't grow up rich. I grew up, I'll say probably in a middle to lower class neighborhood. Yeah, but I never finished school. I didn't either. Well, I, you know, I got divorced and I lost everything. Guess what? Me too. So whatever shit you throw at me, I'm like, it's all but an excuse. Suffering is nothing but a choice that you make. Yes, you got fucked, you got hit, I get up. But what you do with it after is a choice to suffer. And I tell people, I'd rather get punched in the face than, than, than be emotionally or psychologically abused. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's super funny that we're actually discussing ex this exact topic because this has been the theme for my life for the past uh, one month and a half. I'm working more on actually living that level of, of gratitude and uh, happiness just because you can choose it and just because there, it's an option for you. And it's very interesting how, um, what's the word, synchronistic? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah, that's the word, yeah. Um, you know, the, the synchronicity of, of us talking about this thing, it actually makes you, you know, puts a huge uh, smile on my face for everybody who's listening in. So. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's... I, I, want, I want to say something that's very important. Um, I had an experience with a friend recently, and some people don't, don't allow them to be happy. They don't accept 
to, to, to take in the happiness and the gratitude. They yeah. feel they don't deserve it or they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll, they'll sabotage their friendships, their relationships, their, they'll project whatever they can. You know what I mean? So some people, it, it's hard for some people to say, I'm actually, I, I couldn't get used to being happy. I was mm -hmm. like, this is, I'm happy. Everything is good. Wow. Okay, something's going to happen. And then you, nothing happens. Then ha nothing happens again. Yeah. yeah. And then you start living in that state and you're like, wow. Let me tell you, a lot of good things happen when you're, you're happy. happy you're good. Exactly. In a shitty mood. Or exactly. I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That's, that's Absolutely. I mean, if you think you have that mindset, then eventually, you know, it, things are going to go bad because you're looking for it to go to go bad. I mean, that's, that's that self-fulfilling prophecy that a lot of people put themselves into that loop. So you've got to, I suppose, break that cycle, really, which is what you're saying. 100%. Yeah. And it's not, it's not really easy in the beginning, guys, especially if you've, if you had it rough and uh, you feel like exactly like Nick was saying that you don't deserve it. It's very, very difficult to break that, that pattern. But once you do, and once you understand that just because you're alive, you deserve to be happy and you can always choose it in absolutely any moment, it becomes a lot more easily. It becomes a lot more manageable. Um, you know, my, my coach, uh, uh, Zachary, maybe we'll have him one time on the podcast. He's like, you know, he, he coaches um, entrepreneurs for, for peak performance. And, and he's like, he's managing his state like from moment to moment to moment. He's choosing happiness. He choose, he's choosing to feel good about his business and about, and about himself. And he's like, hmm, I think I'd like some more clients. And people just like write him messages like, Zach, can I work with you? And bum. It's amazing. Well, you know what? I, I, I believe in the universe and the laws of attraction mm -hmm. so much. I believe we're all interconnected. Yes. That we're all playing on the same spider web. Mm. And we're here today, but maybe in six months, we'll be on a stage talking. Who knows? Yeah. Shit doesn't just happen. I tell people. Some people go through their life kind of wondering that things are just going to happen. I'm like, no. You have to create your opportunity. You have to create and design your life the way you want it. Because if you do, then you can, you know, it's, it's all, I tell people, whatever you're going to think, whatever you're going to say, you're going to create. It's only normal. So, yeah. but, but it, you have to start being aware and conscious of everything that's going on around you for you to have that. I love yeah. that. I didn't expect this conversation to take uh, this turn. I'm <laughs> <laughs> punching people in, in bars. Jeez. Well, we could, we could go back to that. So like, no, the no, viewer... I, like I like this one. <laughs> no, no, we, we, you know, the point is that what we do in martial arts, it, it, I mean, we try to get it across. It's much more holistic than just simply learning how to fight. You know, it's yeah. not about just teaching people to kick and punch. It's about teaching people how to think. And, you know, the one thing about martial arts is there's a lot of adversity in martial arts and, and you've got to learn how to overcome that adversity. And it does reflect real life. And, you know, when you've got young people, not just adults as well, but, you know, children as well, you know, you, you, you're teaching them a lesson for life because not everything's going to go right in, in the world and in, in the real world, that is. 
And you know, one thing about martial art training and learning how to fight is that you're learning how to deal with odds that you know that sometimes are just stacked against you. And I, you know, I think it's a real. This is all part of the podcast, and I think it's relevant really that we talk about talk about these issues. Well, I, I I always compare um, fighting in the ring with anything, meaning you know you're in the ring and you're fighting and you get punched, and I'm like, okay, how many punches can you take before you fall? And when you fall, do you get up? Same thing in life, you're opening a business. Like how much can you, you know, how, how much resilience do you have to keep pushing forward? Yeah. So, uh, how consistent are you in, in your training? Same thing when you're opening a business or starting something, because consistency is the key. Repetition and resilience to achieve something. No different than you going to the gym every day and being consistent and training hard and fighting hard and learning and empowering yourself and changing your mindset and your behavior. It's all interconnected. I tell people self-defense is what changed my life. Through self-defense, it gave me confidence. It built my strength, my ability to walk in a room, go in front of 50 people and do a seminar and not flinch and, and feel confident, walk into a bar or go somewhere, meet a girl and have that presence where you know, you feel strong and not scared or not insecure or, you know, where you, you transcend that through everything because it's all the same wiring. Mm. Nick, how, how did you start your martial arts journey? I started with Kung Fu when I was about nine, 10 years old, um, where I grew up. Like, I mean, you, you, we always scrapped, like people would always fight us kids. And it's not like back in the day, like my parents didn't give a fuck. It wasn't like, oh, poor you, you know, it's like, why? Leave me alone, like, fuck off, go do your shit. So <laughs> when we would fight, it would, like, it would be like, you know, it's figure shit out. Yeah, bullying existed back then, but we didn't be like, oh my God, how are your feelings? Are you okay? No, what happened? I got punched. Fuck, did you punch him back? No, I fucking got hit. I took a couple of beatings. I'm like, okay, I got to learn how to fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell everybody, everybody's going to get a beating at some time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, part, it's part of the game. Uh, I remember once actually you talk about that I remember once I was I got beaten up and my mum my mum was standing at the front door actually talking to a neighbour and uh, I got a fight into a fight with one of the other neighbour kids I was only a little kid and uh, I got basically I got beaten up you know and then I got up and I walked over and I was quite embarrassed twofold because my mum's standing there having a conversation while I'm just getting beaten up and uh, I walked up to her and she looked at me she paused her conversation and she said to me See, I told you not to try to play with those boys and then carried on with the conversation. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was getting beaten up so badly that the kid's dad came out of the house and pulled him off of me right? <laughs> and took him indoors. That's how bad it was going, not, not my way. And then my own mother's just like, you know what, I'm having much more of an interesting conversation with my neighbour. So, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean about learning the hard way. I mean, uh, in, 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 today, in today's society, it'd be like, oh, my God, your kid's beating my kid. And, oh, you're going to cause him psychological damage and he's yeah. never going to be the same. And, like, fuck. And I, my son's 10 years old. You know what I mean? He came one day with a little black eye. I'm like, no, what happened? Did you get into a fight? He goes, no. I'm like, are you sure? He goes, no, if I did, am I in trouble? I'm like, no, you're not in trouble unless you started the fight. <laughs> but if you did it, I want to know what happened. He didn't tell me finally. I didn't push it. I just left it at that. But I have something told me, you know, it's okay. It's like, let him, let him scrap it out a couple of times. doesn't matter. You know, it's, 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 
you know, it's to a certain extent, it's part of the development as well. And we don't promote violence at all. Like, I mean, if my son was a bully, he's going to get it because I know I was bullied a lot. But, you know, at some point, we also have to teach them how to stand up to them. Because I tell people, your wife could be a bully, your husband could be a bully, your boss could be a bully, the guy at the bus stop could be a bully. Yeah. And there's no age, race, gender to this shit. And people need to start, like, realizing that. We're never going to eliminate this bully problem. Like, all we can do is, you know, build strong kids with character who know how to stand up and brush it off. And if they have to, to defend themselves. That's it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I think, uh, you know, you've got to, you, you do have to teach children to stand up for themselves. And, 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 you know, the first thing is confidence, isn't it? You know, they've got to have the confidence in themselves. Because it comes back to what you were saying earlier about, uh, you know, what we were talking about, martial arts and, the, and what it gives you. Because at the end of the day, self-talk is important. And if you have that sort of negative self-talk, as we were talking about earlier, you've got two rods on your back. You've got you and the other person as well. So uh, confidence is, is, is the mainstay. And I really, you know, to deal with, and you're right, absolutely, Nick. You know, you, you know we're never going to get rid of bullying. We're social animals as human beings. Yeah. You know, we live in, we live in, unless you live in a vacuum with no human beings around you, it's going, it's going to happen. Whether, as you said, work, whether at home, whether in your friendship groups, it's, you know, and it, it's essential, really. You know. So, yeah, I, I mean, generally, do you do anything with the anti-bullying programs or do you get involved in that type of, type of area or is it just something you do in your, are most of your clients uh, are they adults or what, what, you know, how, are, how do you work with that? Uh, I, I train about four or five kids. And the first thing I do is I meet the parents because then you get a good idea who you're going to be dealing with in most That's cases. Yeah. So if I don't like the parents or if the parents I find like, I, first I want to know I can work with the parents and then I meet the kid. I tell them I'm going to do one session with them. I just want to feel them out and see how I could connect with the kid if I think he's ready. And then I look at the parents, I'm like, okay, what are your rules of engagement? What do I teach your kid? Some parents tell me, I don't want my kid to hit back. Okay, so you want more just defense? Some parents say, I don't really give a shit if somebody touches them, I want them to defend themselves. So I, like for my son, I'm like, Noah, you know, if anybody you know, bullies you, you, you know, you talk to them, you try to defuse it, the instant somebody touches you, you crack them in the face. That's it. <laughs> the instant they grab you, if they're hitting you, you better fight. Yeah. You better, better fight. I tell people, if somebody's bullying you and fighting you, you're taking a beating. You might as well fight. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. And if you lose, at least you could go home and say, you know what? I took a beating, but fuck. I fought. Even if I took a beating, I gave it everything I have. That's like, that's the mindset. Like, win or lose. Same thing people tell me against a knife. You're an idiot. There's nothing you can do. I tell people, okay, so next time somebody pulls out a knife, roll down on the floor and tell them there's nothing I can do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> or you fight with everything you have. Win or lose, you fight. And, yeah. and like, if I'm, in a, if I'm getting stabbed, I'm either going to get stabbed three times or 15 times. The difference is how fast am I going to react? Am I going to fight and give it everything I have? Yeah, absolutely. So, I tell you, you have nothing to lose. No, you're right. I mean, someone said once to me, oh, I don't want to hurt someone. And I said, okay, then just give them your wallet, mobile phone, and your keys to your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Absolutely. 
<laughs> you know, if you don't want to hurt someone, then that's absolutely fine. But the point is, is you know, sometimes you don't get the choice, and, and that's really yeah. what, what I was trying to explain to them that that you don't do that. I mean, I think some people are innately born with that experience of learning how to protect themselves. I'll tell you a story. Once when I was a young lad, I was about uh, I got into a little bit of trouble. And uh, I ended up having this organized fight with this lad. I think I was about 14. And this other lad had just come out of Borstal, which is like prison for, for kids in the UK. And the long story short is uh, we had a little bit of a disagreement and uh, we agreed to have a fight in the park. So I turned up at the park to meet this, this, this lad to have a fight with him, who happens to be you know, not only five years older than me, but also you know, six foot three and, you know, big and it's just come out of Boston, which I said, which is kids prison. And I'm thinking, okay, and all my friends are like, yeah, well, don't worry, don't worry. If it kicks off, we're going to back you up. It's all going to be there. So I turned around. Where were they? <laughs> They'd all run off. <laughs> anyway, the long and the story, short story is, is I got beaten up, you know, and I knew actually that I was going to get beaten up. And, you know, the one thing about that I took away from that is that I didn't back down. I didn't go with, and I could have done that and I wouldn't have probably lost so much face because everybody knew it was insurmountable odds anyway. The, the lad was a lot bigger than me. He had a bad reputation. And, uh, and at the end of the day, everybody who said they were going to stand up for me didn't. So if I turned around and said, no, I don't want to do this anymore, I probably would have got away with it. But I went into it and I actually got beaten up, not too badly. But actually, you know, I had a lot more self-respect for myself. Because Absolutely. You know, I thought, well, look, you know what, if someone's going to pick on me, and, they, and the guy was looking for trouble. I mean, he was, he actually started the whole situation. I know it sounds quite childish saying that, but it was actually instigated, not on my side. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that I had the self-respect of knowing that, you know, if, even if it's a difficult situation, I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something I've sort of kept with me as a, I've gone through to adulthood. It takes a lot of guts to do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking back, it's pretty dumb, actually. But, yeah, but. You know what? I tell people, like, I mean, I've had concussions, and I've been, like, I mean, I've seen fights, like, working in the clubs where people got stabbed and shit, and it's, I tell people, it's fucking scary. Like, you're like, are you afraid? Yeah, I'm fucking right, I'm afraid. What do you think, I'm yeah. Superman? No, it's fucking scary when you're in the fucking club, and there's a brawl, and people are throwing shit, and you don't even know where it's coming from, who's throwing what. Yeah. It's like, it's, and, and believe it or not, at that very moment, it's every man for himself. Yeah, absolutely. That's what people don't realize. Like, I mean, when shit hits the fan, you're lucky if somebody jumps in, but very high chances that you're kind of on your own. Oh, so I, on your own. like, fuck it, I'm on my own. I don't count on anybody. I got to protect and save my ass and that's it. <laughs> it just reminds me, I remember once I got jumped in a nightclub and it was about uh, three guys, basically. Long and short of it was there was three guys and I had one pulling on my... On my, I had a tie on, I was dressed quite smartly, so I had a tie on. And this guy's pulling my tie, another one's throwing punches, and another one's coming from somewhere else. And in the midst of all of that, this guy's throwing glasses, right, and bottles, and there's like <laughs> loads of it just like all over the place. Anyway, long and the short of it, it's after the Sounds fight. like a video game. It, it was crazy, <laughs> it was literally crazy. Anyway, at the end of the fight, this guy comes up to me and he just stands next to me casually, just chatting. He said, yeah, he said, oh, I was really impressed. I really liked your fighting. You looked quite good. And, and, and then he said, yeah, but I couldn't quite get you with those bottles that I was throwing. That's hilarious. 
running some mad people around. But yeah, I mean, it's just like complete chaos. If, if it was anything chaotic, chaotic. I mean, I did some work on the door. I've worked on the door as well when I was a young lad, but it was never too much. It was always a case of, uh, before we got door licensing now in the UK, but in the early days, it was always a case of, you know, you, you, you worked with a team that, and people that knew you. So uh, I used to do uh, New Year's and Christmas. So, uh, you know, I was young. I used to teach martial arts, of course. And uh, at that time of year, I had no money because all my students decided that, you know, it was Christmas and nobody wanted to pay their fees. So basically, I'd always used to get calls from the local, uh, you know, from guys that I knew working on the door. So they used to say, oh, look, you know, we're short tonight or it's Christmas or New Year's or whatever, or we've got a party or something coming in. Do you want to come in? And obviously, I was the smallest out of all of them. I don't know if you know this, Nick, but, you know, it, you stand out quite a lot. You're a target, basically, but especially when you get groups of lads coming in that, you know, want to yeah. cause a lot of fraction. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been in that environment. I know it very, very well. So, uh, especially when you've got it going off crazy. I mean, we've never had anything massively. I mean, luckily... We don't really have sort of firearms going off too much here, so we're, we're, we're oh, I, I worked at a club one time and they pulled out the gun and they shot it in the club, in the air. Uh, yeah, it was, gun it was one of the rap songs that said "shoot him up." I can't remember what, and all these boop, 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 boop. I'm like, what the? F you should see people jump, man. Everyone's like, what the fuck? Was, you know, all like in the movies, nobody jumped, jumped over a bar and like grabbed the gun and flipped them over and like, no, everybody just fucking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, run. I've seen that. I've been in a club and that's happened. The song's pulled out a gun and stopped firing. Everybody just runs. It's crazy. It reminds me, actually, I did, uh, I also worked in close protection. I took the singer up to, uh, I had to take, do a, take a singer up to a club and it was two of us. And uh, we went to a place called Mossside. Mossside in, uh, in the UK is in Manchester, which is called Gunchester. So it's got quite a high gun crime rate. So uh, I'm with, I'm doing close protection. So I'm not doing, I'm not doing nightclub security. I'm looking after the singer. And essentially, he went on stage, came out of the stage, uh, and he was on stage, and I was in the back waiting for him to come off. So the club owner comes up to me, and he says to me, look, I've got a problem on the door. I said, what do you mean you've got a problem on the door? What, where's your staff? He said, they've run away. Said, what, <laughs> what do you mean, <laughs> run away? He said, That's hilarious. Right? Listen to it. It's worse, right? So he, he, he says to me, look, I really need to help. Can you help me? And I, I just thought, well, okay, all right, fine. So I left, there's two of us in this team. So I left my, my colleague with, with the singer, basically, who was performing, and I went to the front, front of the house. And I went, got to the front of the house, and it happens to be a local, I don't know what you want to call him, basically. I mean, this is a podcast that's so going out on the internet, so I've been careful with my words, but he was basically one of, you know, one of the local bad boys, basically. So he's standing there, and bearing in mind all the security have run off, and they've run off because he's turned up. And he's come up with this, right, well, you're going to let me in for nothing, basically. And uh, do you know who I am sort of conversation? You know those conversations that these... Uh, right? And sometimes you don't know if it's bullshit or if there's somebody. Right. That's the fucking scary shit. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and the only thing I'm going to tell you that saved my life, Nick, was I had a mag light in my back pocket, on my back. So I sat down in front of him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's squared up to me. And I've sat down on the table quite casually with my hand tucked in my back like this, holding the mag light. Because I'm thinking, you know, he's going to do something. And then when he does something, I'm just going to basically use the mag light. I've got no choice, basically. So, uh, you know, he didn't say much. He, you know, he argued with me for a bit. And I was quite calm about it. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. You know, you can't come in unless you pay. 
So anyway, he went away uh, and I went back to the stage. And I said to the club owner, yeah, it's cool. Okay, everything's fine. So I went back to the club owner. So I went back to the stage and we took our VIP and we left basically. And just after we left, he came back with a handgun, basically. He came back with a handgun and he robbed the place. He took the owner, took him into back office, cleared the office out, basically. So, I mean, I reckon I was probably about that close to being shot, but the only reason why he didn't do it is because he probably suspected that. Well, he knew by my posture and what I was doing. So, I mean, it was it was a hairy situation that I- uh, I've been in those, those shit are scary. It's like, you're playing chicken, who's gonna move first? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, do I hit, don't I hit, do I trap, don't I trap? And it's like, you're, you're a hair away, of an explosion it's crazy. and it could go any way no matter how good you are you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen that's the reality of it that is the reality and you're one step away from being dead because you know what if i didn't probably the way i look back at it now in these days and i think maybe if i didn't posture the way i postured and i was confident i was going to get that out that megwire on top of his head before he could do anything but the point is i could have got it wrong you know he could have just pulled his gun and just shot me there and that's there and then dead it would have been over and done with there's nothing i could do i didn't have a i didn't have a vest on i didn't have just had normal civvy clothes on so it was just crazy i was so close to being and the fact that he waited for us to go i don't know if that was coincidence or not but either way i was pretty close to being a dead man so i mean it's luck sometimes it is I, i i saw i witnessed somebody die i always share the story the kid got stabbed over a gold chain they ripped the gold chain off him he ran they stabbed him And when I got out of the club, it was a dead night. It was like 3.30 in the morning, I can't remember. And there's a dead body, like the kid's dying in front of me. Like, like, like in the movies, man. Yeah. And like maybe a couple of minutes later, the cops came. The next day or the day after I heard he died. But I remember I went to bed that night and I was like, I was hearing his voice. I still remember what he looked like, everything. It was fucking traumatizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what people don't understand. Like violence is not people like, oh, do you like to fight? No, I hate fighting. No, I don't like violence. I mean, it, it, we're teaching people how to defend themselves, not to how to go out and pick fights. And when you've seen enough violence, you actually know the dangers and you're like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to walk out of this. Because it's not like fighting in the ring. Put me in the ring. I don't give a fuck. I'll go up against anybody because I know the worst. I might get knocked out. Big deal. Yeah, exactly. Someone's going to step in and, and make sure you're, you, you know, they're not going to stamp on your head. But in the street, you know, the, the 15-year-old punk holding a knife could stab you and you don't even fucking see it. And his two of his buddies are going to jump behind you. So it's like, it's completely different, you know, two different animals, you know what I mean? So what, what impact did that have on, on your life, Nick, when you saw that kid in the alley? Oh, fuck. I remember I went training. I, I was teaching Tuesday at 7.30. I, was, I did knife defense. And as I was teaching, people were kind of like doing knife and they were kind of laughing. It's like, oh, I got you. And they were like, and I fucking lost it on all the students. I'm like, I just saw somebody get fucking stabbed. You're all here doing this knife drill like it's a joke. You're all playing. You think it's funny. Guess what? That could have been you. I know how to defend myself if shit happens. But if you guys don't take this shit serious, if it happens to you, you're fucked. I'm not going to be there. So take this fucking seriously, I told them. Take it like it's a real knife and like it's your life. And suddenly you saw the mood change and then the fucking training just these guys were like going full out real. They were like really trying not to get cut. So when you bring that reality, it shocks people. And, and, and it, it gives them like, I mean, I take this shit seriously. 
because anything could happen. And when you've seen shit happen, you're like, fuck. You know, it doesn't happen in movies. It could actually happen in real fucking life. So at the end, I tell people, it's your life. I'm not going to be there. I'm giving you the tools. At the end, you have to make the decision with what you have in that moment. Because people tell me, should I hit? Should I run? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Are they two? Are they three? Are you holding a knife? Are you, are you alone? Are you with your family? Are you with your wife? Every scenario dictates a different outcome, a different decision that you're going to have to make in that moment. So I can't set in stone anything. If you want an answer, I don't have it for you. No, uh, that, that, you know what, everybody listening to this, you know, that's that such great advice. You know, anybody, I think anybody that's teaching, they'll actually give you a hard, fast answer. It's not doing you a service at all. Yeah. Because no. they, you know, we as, as trainers, as, as motivators, as mentors, we can't tell you what you're going to do in a life or death situation. You, you are the only person that knows what you're going to do. You know, we can we can advise you on strategies and principles and concepts, but we can't say to you, you must do this, you must do that. You know, you've got to make that decision. I, I never worked as a as a doorman, and um, I, I consider myself lucky to have not, uh, you know, haven't had situations like that that crazy where people have been running or people were you know firing gunshot. Um, but. And, and what I really enjoy and what I really appreciate it is that you guys are being so honest and so open about it, you know, because most, a lot of people, you know, yeah, I worked as a doorman. Yeah, I fucked some people up, you know, it's like, no problem. I just punch everybody and uh, I feel good about it. Um, but what, what I noticed in my life, like when I changed, when my confidence changed and that when I, when I got rid of all the anger, because I, I was doing martial arts for like eight years, but I was still very, very angry and I was still fighting on, you know, and causing fights and getting into fights. But once I calmed down and once I started really accepting myself for who I was, you know, with the good and with the bad, this, these, these situations just stopped happening. You know, I, I didn't have people come up to me anymore and come into my face or, or talk in a weird way to me. I, I have a great story. I, I was teaching years ago and this, guy, this kid walked in that I knew from school, like from uh, high school. He goes, shit, man, I got into a fight last weekend. I want to learn some self-defense. I'm like, shit. He goes, yeah, man, I don't get it. Like, I mean, in the last three weekends, I got into a fight. I'm like, okay, well, you need to start realizing that you're attracting this because, yes. yeah. like, I mean, yeah. obviously, like, other than working in clubs, I've, you know, gone into a fight, you know, two or three times when I was younger, and that's because I was drunk and I was angry. But working as a doorman, like, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for working as a doorman, I wouldn't have gotten to, like, fights. Other than, like I said, when I was stupid and young and had so much to prove. Mm -hmm. exactly. And it's mostly the sign of insecurity. You know what I mean? Like, yes. all that. And it's easy when you get drunk to be a tough guy because you think, fuck it, I could take on anybody until you get your ass kicked because you realize your motor skills are, are fucking down the drain. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the time it's your attitude and what, what you project out to people. Yeah, what you what you attract. There's, yeah, uh, there's actually it's interesting because I'm going to do a video on this at some point in time. There's a there's a phenomenon called hostile attribution bias in psychology, and what that is is where some people have a bias to just basically hearing, if you like, or sensing or responding with hostile bias to what you say. So you can say something really nice, like uh, for example, you could be looking at someone 
And you might be looking at the person admiring, you know, admiring them, you know, they dress nice, look nice, or whatever. It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, in a sexual way or what have you. You're just looking at them, but they they bias it to hostility. Uh, you know, or you might say something that's quite neutral, but they bias it towards hostility. So there is this hostile attribution bias that does actually exist. It's actually been studied and researched, and some people have it. So, you know, there's 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 a lot of elements to uh, you know, social interaction that people can attract, I guess what I'm trying to say, you know, they can attract trouble because they're, they're looking for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that, that's the point really, just to sort of add to that. Guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I have a class in like five minutes. That's so been a huge pleasure. Uh, I, I, want, I want to do this again. I'm sorry, guys. I really want to do this again because I, I think, think, I think we could spend like, like, a, like I think we could spend like a whole day just listening to you guys share stories. Oh, you know what? I, th- I, I think like, I mean, uh, Mark, it's a pleasure to meet you because I, I respect what you do, man. And Thank you. there's a lot of the guys in the industry that I, that I look and I'm like, okay, this guy knows his shit. Most of them is like, oh God, you're going to get, you're going to kill somebody. Even if you tried, even fucking training for a thousand years, this shit doesn't work. So I, I think it's amazing what you're doing. Guys, I definitely want to do it again because you could say we could go um, endless talking and sharing some stories. We, we will definitely do that. Nick, tell us about, you know, for people who are listening to this from Athens, where can they get in touch with you and get more details on the event that you're, um, uh, you're going to be doing? Yeah, well, I'm doing a seminar. I'm doing a, a, a level one certification. A lot of people ask me, want to be certified? Mm-hmm. Uh, level one certification, September 21st, 22nd in Athens, Greece at the Krav Maga Science. They could also go visit my website, nickjosos.com. I'm building a new uh, program on it, new self-defense and fitness and motivational program called the Hero Program, and uh, they can check out my YouTube channel as well, Nick Drosos, and uh, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Um, and one question for our audience: If you could ask them one thing, what would that be? Um, one question. That's a good one. One question for the audience. Wow. Oh, let me try to keep it simple. Uh, First thing that comes to mind. What, what motivates them to learn self-defense? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's awesome. simple, basic question. What motivates them? Cause there's always a motive. Is it fear? Is it cause you want to feel strong? You want to be able to dominate? Is it because you want to learn to defend yourself? It's important to know the, the motive behind it. You so want to you meet could- your high school bully after 10 years and kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll share a story. I met my high school bully. I met this bully. I shared it. The guy had uh, he had stuck his face, his ass in my face when I was a kid. I was like ten years old, maybe. My God. And uh, this kid was a real badass. He was in prison, you know, for stabbing people, whatever. And I hadn't seen him and for like thirty years or whatever it is. And he walks one day, and I see him, and uh, he looks at me, and I and. I, and I say his street name, I don't want to say it. So I said, I'll call him Baby. I said, yeah, you're Baby, huh? It's, I'll call him Baby M. I go, you're Baby M, huh? He goes, goes, yeah. I go, you don't remember me. And now he's like, he's like skinny. He looks like he's on crack. I'm like twice his size. I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking break you. And I'm like, I go, you don't remember me, huh? He goes, no. I go, you bullied me, man. It made my life a living fucking hell. And he looked at me, he didn't say nothing. And I remember it was the cafeteria at the hospital where I worked. And then he comes around and he goes, uh, he goes, I want to apologize. I'm sorry for bullying you. 
I told him, I want to thank you because you made me stronger. You built my character. And because of you, I got into self-defense. And it was just like one of those moments where we just shook hands and that was it, you know, so. You guys cried, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's our experiences that make it. I'm like, you know what? It's good I got bullied. It's good I went through those challenges because it made me stronger. It made me tougher. And you have to find be able to say the great, you know, find the greatness or the positive of every negative experience. Absolutely. I leave everybody on that note. Mark, Bogdan, guys, it's been a fucking pleasure doing this. I hope we're going to do it again, man. I like the energy between us three. Yeah, looking forward to it very much as well. Awesome. Mark, I'm going to hit you up as well. Bogdan, where are you from? Romania. Romania, that's what I thought. You crushed me. What do you mean that's what you thought? <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I know, I know. I saw it. It's just like my brain's a little bit fried because I, 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 I have a student in the back waiting and I have somebody else coming in. So I'm like, hey, guys, you know what? Like, hopefully one day maybe we could do something together, some kind of collab, video, training, you know, something like that. Definitely. All right. Okay. We'll talk All right, guys. Thank you for your time. Mark, I'm out. Bogdan. Peace. Strength and honor.